The Word of God is living. It is powerful, infallible, indestructible, incorruptible, and it will work mightily in me. And now, your host, Pastor Jerry Maya Williams, from the service already in progress. Amen. Good morning, Agape Word, here in Raleigh and around the world. God bless you. This is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You know, God has been good to us. He has loaded us daily with his blessings and benefits. And I thought about how good God has been when it dawned on me that next weekend will mark one year since we would have had public worship service here at Agape Word Fellowship. It's been a year. It's been one year that we have not been able to come together as an assembly of believers and worship God. And you know, over that one year, God has been good to us. And I thank God for every one of you. We thank God for the faithful few. Those, some have obviously tuned out, a few, but thank God for those that have remained dialed in, faithful and committed unto God, moving forward, knowing that the four walls of the church cannot limit worshiping God. So we thank God for you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for doing what's needful and necessary to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Glory. One year. You know, the end is in sight, but we still have a ways to go. I do see a light at the end of the tunnel. And I want to encourage every one of you. I want to encourage you, and I want you to encourage others to get the COVID-19 vaccine. Get the vaccine. You know, you got to get your head out of your rear end, if, if you will. And some people are really being used of the enemy to block progress. God wants you to choose life. That's right. Choose life that you and your descendants may live. And getting the vaccine gives you a chance. Gives you a chance against hospitalization. It gives you a chance against death. And I believe that God is, is a God about life, not a God about death. So I encourage you to get the vaccine. And I encourage you to encourage others to get the vaccine. We want to get this thing behind us. And we want to move on. But you know, God is still God. And he's watching over us and watching over everything about us. And I believe in the promise of God in 2 Chronicles 7.14 where God says, If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sins and heal their land. So I believe that God is at work. 
And I believe that God is moving upon us. He's given us a heart to seek him. He's given us a mind to repent. He's given us what's needful and necessary to receive our forgiveness that he might heal our land. And I believe the COVID-19 vaccine is all about God healing our land. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, it's, it's, it's been good. It's been almost one year. Uh, Start next week has been almost one year. But you know what? God has given us grace. He's given us grace to come to you week after week with these worship services because God is worthy to be worshiped and praised. Glory. Now, have your Bibles open. And this morning, I'm going to go back to Deuteronomy chapter 18. And I want to wrap up this series if I can. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 21. I've been talking about false prophets. How shall we know them? And I started this series talking about false prophets in general. Then I talked about plastic preachers and charlatans. Last week, I talked about the first false prophet. And today I want to talk about the litmus test. The litmus test. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 21 reads, And if you say in your heart, How shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously, and you shall not be afraid of him. False prophets, how shall we know them? And again today, I want to talk about the litmus test. The litmus test. You know, false prophets have been around since the beginning. And they will be around until Jesus returns. But how shall we know them? How shall we know them? You know, they sound like sheep. They look like sheep. How shall we know them? They all start or end their prophecies by saying, quote unquote, thus saith the Lord. So how shall we know them? They all seem to have an agenda that's not God's agenda. And that's what makes them a false prophet. They all seem to be motivated by money, fame, or power. But how shall we know them? What is the litmus test? There is a litmus test that God gives us in the scripture. What is the litmus test? Now, before I go on, you might be saying, what is a litmus test? Well, a litmus test is really a chemistry term. In chemistry, it's a test used to determine the acidity or the alkalinity of a chemical substance. Now, during this test, acid turns the litmus paper red and an alkaline compound would turn 
the litmus paper blue. So what does it have to do with prophets? Well, with respect to prophets, it is a test in which a single factor is determinative. A single factor is decisive. A single factor, not several factors, but just a single factor is decisive. And that's why it's called a litmus test. Not only in chemistry is a litmus test, but in prophecies and among prophets, there is a litmus test. There is a single factor that God says is decisive in determining whether that prophet is a true prophet or a false prophet. We've talked about the one strike rule. But many might say, well, that seems sort of harsh. You mean if a prophet gets it wrong one time, then you're saying they're a false prophet? I didn't say that. God did. But maybe the 80-20 the rule may be a little more palatable to you, more, a little more acceptable. The 80-20 rule. Now, what is the 80-20 rule? When a prophet gets 80% of his, prophets, his prophecies right and maybe 20% wrong, then maybe we ought to cut that prophet some slack and say, they're still a true prophet of God. Well, let me remind you that even a broken clock is right twice a day. But let's flip the script. What if that prophet only got 20% of his prophecies right? But the other 80% fail. Obviously, that person is not a true prophet of God. In fact, that person probably should have kept their day job, so to speak. But God doesn't look at prophecy the way we do. If a person got 80% of their prophets, prophecies right, and maybe 20% of them fail, I could accept that person as a prophet of God if that person repented over the 20% that fell. If they humbled themselves, if they came back and said, I miss God. Now, when they try to rationalize it, when they try to explain it away, then we know that that person doesn't have the right motivation. They're making it about themselves rather than about God. So the litmus test for prophets, what is that litmus test? You know, last week I quoted the scripture from 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, where John clearly says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So God says we ought not to believe every spirit, but we ought to test every spirit. Why? Because they are false prophets. But how shall we know them? What is the litmus test? Many of us have used the wrong test. The litmus test for a false prophet is not their anointing or their charisma. And many of us have thought that a person was a true prophet because 
They could speak the language. They had the lingo just right. They came across as being very anointed. They came across as a person with a lot of charisma. Well, remember Romans chapter 11, verse 29, where Paul says the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Now, that verse is more about the people of God than it is about God himself. Now, God called Israel to be his chosen people. Then he gave Israel gifts. He gave them the gifts of the the law and the prophets. He gave them the gift of a coming Messiah. These were the gifts. And God will never change his mind about Israel. God does not withdraw his calling and his gifts. He will not withdraw them. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. And so it stands the reason that some people that have been called by God, some people that have been gifted by God can still get it wrong and give a false prophecy. And again, it's not about God because God doesn't change his mind. God doesn't make mistakes. Only man makes mistakes, not God. So you just can't look at a person's anointing. You just can't look at the charisma and say, oh, they must be a true prophet of God. The litmus test is not their prestige and their popularity. It's not the number of people that follow them on Facebook. Come on. That follow them on Twitter or like them on Facebook. It's not their prestige or their popularity. That is not the litmus test. The litmus test is not their personal prosperity, their wealth or the riches. I don't care how many upscale luxury automobiles they have. I don't care what kind of jewelry they wear on their body. I don't care how big the house is in some gated community. We measure true prophets versus false prophets. We measure them with the wrong metrics. But God gives us a litmus test. There's a lot of false prophets that are very prosperous. A lot of false prophets that have wealth and riches. And one of the ways they got that wealth and riches was by giving false prophecies. But that's not the litmus test. What is the litmus test? It's not that they're a leader of a mega church. Just because somebody has a, they lead a mega church, don't make them a true prophet. It's not because of the largeness of their ministry. Oh, this person has a large ministry. They're national, international. I know they're true prophets from God. No, that is not the litmus test. Nor is it their political power. They have the ear of the president. That doesn't make them a, a true prophet. Just because they have the ear of the governor or the ear of the president. It's not their political power. See, we look at all the things that God tells us not to look at. He gives us a litmus test. We look at the anointing. We look at the charisma. We look at the prestige and the power. We look at the person's prosperity, their wealth and their riches. We look at the influence that the person has in the community, if you will. But God says, those are not the things to look at. I give you a litmus test. And the litmus test is just one thing and one thing only. What is that litmus test? 
Well, we read, we read in our text in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 22, God says, if the thing the prophet has spoken does not happen or does not come to pass, that is the very thing that God has not spoken. But the prophet has spoken it presumptuously and you shall not be afraid of him. Here God tells us clearly what prophecy fell. Some of you have been disappointed because somebody prophesied to you and it didn't come to pass. But why does prophecy fail? Why does prophecy fail? Prophecy fell because of presumption. God clearly tells us it fails because of presumption. What is that presumption? When a so-called prophet presumes upon himself out of his pride and arrogance, out of his own delusions of his mind, or out of his own imagination, and sometimes they just make things up. God says that's presumption. And because he has spoken in presumption, that thing will not come to pass. And that's the very thing I have not spoken to, to he, to him or her. First Samuel chapter 3, verse 19. Here's what the Bible said about the prophet Samuel. It says, and Samuel grew. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. And none of his words fell to the ground. Why? Samuel was a true prophet. But with false prophets, their words will fall to the ground. In other words, they may get you excited. But those same words that excited you are the same words that's going to fail you if they were spoken out of a man's delusion, the imagination of his own mind, or stuff he or she just made up. It's going to fail. But Samuel, on the other hand, he grew in the things of God. God was with Samuel. And because of that, none of Samuel's words fell to the ground. Now, God has always used prophets politically to speak truth to power. Samuel spoke truth to King Saul. The prophet Gad and the prophet Nathan spoke truth to King David. The prophet Isaiah and the prophet Jeremiah, they both spoke truth to the various kings of Judah. And even if you bring it up into the modern day, the prophet, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he spoke truth to President Kennedy and to President Johnson. So God has always used prophets to speak truth to power. Now recently, over 50 over 50 renowned prophets prophesied the election of Donald Trump and it failed. Over 50 renowned prophets, in other words, they're known nationally, they're known internationally. They prophesied that Donald Trump would be elected to a second term as president of the United States and those prophecies failed. And some, instead of, and most rather, instead of repenting, humbling themselves, and say, I miss God on this one. 
Some of them had tried to dig in, to justify it, to explain it away. And some dug in to the point to say, well, it's not going to happen until March the 4th. Well, that failed. That failed. Why? They were speaking presumptuously. They were speaking out of their own delusions, their own imaginations of the heart. They were speaking stuff they made up because they thought this is what the president wanted to hear and his supporters. But it failed. It failed because of presumption. That's why their words fell to the ground. You, you know, when you get it wrong, it, it's all right to get it wrong. You, you know, you ever seen a, a number two lead pencil? It has a eraser on the end. The reason why a pencil has an eraser on the end because sometimes you make mistakes. Even prophets make mistakes. But the problem is, is when the prophet gets it wrong and doesn't take responsibility, doesn't own up to the fact that they miss God. And many times they don't own up to that, 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 that responsibility. They don't give that accountability because it's all about what's going on in them. They're concerned about their pride, how they're viewed. They're concerned about their reputation rather than the reputation of God and his word, glory. So many false prophets, they compromise their ethics just to have a seat at the table. This is why so many people could prophesy that Donald Trump would be reelected because they wanted a seat at the table with Trump. They wanted an invitation to the White House. Then others, they prophesy crazy stuff. And what they're doing, they're taking the gospel and wrapping the gospel inside of the American flag. And God calls that idolatry. Did you hear what I said? You don't drape the gospel in the American flag. You keep God in the center. And only God. So, were these prophecies about money? About power? About fame? What was these prophecies about? We should not take prophecy lightly. Neither should we take prophets lightly. God said in 2 Chronicles, the 20th chapter, believe my prophets so you'll be established so that you may prosper and believe my prophets that you might be established. And this is the ministry of prophets to build us up, to help us to prosper in the things of God. But we have taken prophecy and we've abused it. And prophecy and prophets, prophets, false prophecies abuse prophecy. And the people of God have not applied the litmus test that God has given us. It's simple as this. If the thing they prophesy doesn't come to pass, if it doesn't happen, God says, that's the very thing I have not spoken. See, God doesn't lie. God doesn't make mistakes. And he says they have spoken it presumptuously. And he says, don't be afraid of them. What do you mean, don't be afraid of them? 
Don't stand in awe of them. Don't revere them. Don't look up to them. Don't be afraid of them. They have no power over you. No authority. Because the source of their power and their authority is the word of God. And if their prophecy fail, then that's a prophecy that was not in line with the word of God. Some years ago, I, was, I thought about this when I was preparing this message. That I was invited to join a team in the prophet's chamber. And uh, some of you, maybe you've heard of the prophet's chamber. If you haven't, here's what it is and what it was. The prophet's chamber was based on a business model. And the business model was you call toll-free numbers and you pay a fee with your credit card and the prophet would give you a prophecy. And when I was invited to do that, I knew I didn't have to pray about that. I didn't have to think about that. And even though the prophets who invited me to do this, they were friends of mine, I didn't even care about losing a friendship. I just told them I cannot go out like that because I'm not going to prophesy to somebody just for money. And the only way for a business like that to be successful, and that's exactly what it was, a business, not a ministry. And the only way for a business to be successful like that, you got to keep telling people what they want to hear rather than what truly thus saith the Lord. So the prophet's chamber didn't call me back after that. I'm not going to prophesy for money. That is the spirit of Baalism. That's what Baal did. Huh? Balak, King Balak hired Baal to prophesy for money and the promise that he would promote him to honor, to prophesy against God's people. Can you imagine that? You're going to let somebody to pay you to go against God and his people. But the spirit of Baalism is still in the church. And some of God's people are blind. And your eyes need to be open. And you need to see. When somebody prophesies to you, if the thing does not happen, it doesn't come to pass, God says, this is the litmus test. That is the very thing I have not spoken. And God says, you shall, they've spoken presumptuously, and you shall not be afraid of them. So what do you do after applying the litmus test? First of all, you got to apply it. You see, prophecies should be judged. Let the prophet speak two or three. Let the others judge. First Corinthians 14, 29 tells us, I believe. Prophecy should be judged. Someone gives you a prophecy, especially a personal prophecy. You need to judge it and really judge it. And even if that prophecy is in the line with the word of God, it still has to resonate in your spirit. And if it doesn't resonate in your spirit, then you need to put that prophecy on the back burner, if you will. You need to put it on the back burner. And you don't move or act on that prophecy until God moves and act on you. Huh? So what do you do after applying the litmus test? What do you do? God says, number one, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the false prophets. 
Join us Sunday at Agape Word Fellowship, where Dr. Jerry Maya Williams is your pastor, proclaiming a life-changing message of the agape love and power that God is. For more information, log on now at www.agapeword.net. 1430 South New Hope Road, Agape Word Fellowship.